Talking is a series of podcasts brought to you by the team at Get Mentally Healthy. Our aim is to educate and open up discussion around mental health issues that affect many people in today's society. If you've got a problem that makes you scream and shout, maybe there's another way to work it out. Take a breath in and let it out. Get talking. Hello and welcome back to part two of our Life Crises podcast. Before we get going, let me refresh your memory on what we discussed in part one. So we introduced the topic of life crisis and how it happened, uh, how it can happen, sorry, at any age. It's not just about midlife and much to Christine's delight, we discovered midlife is actually 45 to 65. We had an advent adventurer endurance athlete jamie ramsey talking about how being unfulfilled for many years with his career in the city he decided to quit his job and do something that gave him much more fulfillment and started with a small seventeen thousand kilometer run across 14 different countries yeah so when we think back to jamie's interview and his amazing story I really want to make that distinction between the stereotype of a midlife crisis and what Jamie did. And, you know, it, because it's that, that stereotype's really negative, isn't it? It, You know, the guy blowing the family savings on a Porsche or flying lessons. Yeah. Uh, Sorry, Porsche owners and and pilots. Actually, Jason, I think I'm showing my age now, aren't I? Um, Because I'm not sure what would the stereotype midlifer do today to break free? Do you think buy an electric car? live in a yurt, make TikTok videos. I I don't know. (laughs) Well, hang on. We'll need to stop you there. I need to be very careful about what I say because I have a full electric car and I've just bought a tent. (laughs) 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 All right. I don't think the tent. Okay. Well, anyway. Um, I also am not sure your original, um, the original definition according to the original definition, that either you or Jamie are old enough to be classified as midlifers anyway. So I'm not sure you're able to comment on that um, because what was it, 45 to, to 65? Yep, see, there she goes again. She's really um, Unfortunately for me, I would say last week I crept into it. So, yes. Uh... <laughs> okay. <laughs> that makes me feel better. Okay. So in this podcast, which is part two of Life Crises, we're going to examine further this concept aren't we and and firstly reflect on Jamie's story try to extract what might be useful for our listeners who are not necessarily planning on becoming adventure endurance athletes and you know they might be looking to make changes and and therefore want to understand the psychology around it um I then want to ask you Jason later about your life crisis and how you managed to turn that around very positively. So let's look at some of the things that Jamie talked about a bit more closely. Um, Reviewing the interview and also comments from listeners. And really, I want to thank those listeners. We we love your feedback. Um, There are some key uh, themes that, that have emerged. So success, that was one of them. How do we define it? Motivation, how do we find it and how do we keep going when the going gets tough? And also um, another one for me, which was why bother? And I'm saying that because one of my um, young clients uh, the other day who had listened to the podcast suggested that, well, if our dream is to stay at home and play computer games, then why not just do that? So, 
let's explore that too. Yeah, I think that's my kid's ambition anyway. (laughs) Yeah. On the surface, it might sound attractive. We'll talk about why it's not later. Okay, so starting with success. So Jamie doesn't see success, does he, as an end point? You know, he said it's not a destination but a way of living. And he's always preparing for the next thing, building on the next stage. And he talked at the beginning about what he felt when people commented on his success at being made a partner um, at work when he was working in the city and that, you know, they'd assumed that, you know, this success equated to happiness, but in fact it didn't. And he was really dissatisfied with his life. Um, and then he talked about looking back at the the last time that he was really happy and realized that it was when he'd been running in, in Vietnam or somewhere with very sort of few luxuries. Um, and then I recall he mentioned Alan Watts um, and that famous speech, what would you do if money was no, no object? Now, for those listeners who haven't come across Alan Watts, he was um, a philosopher um, in the 20th century and um, sort of 1960s, 70s, I believe, who, who urged people to ask the question, what do I desire? And he also stated that money is a way of measuring wealth, but, it, but it's not wealth in itself. Therefore, encouraging people to kind of reflect on, on what, what actually motivates them. So, I mean, accepting that we need our basic needs met for food and comfort and shelter and, and so on. And in our current society, I mean, I, I know this requires money, but I guess what Jamie was saying is don't let money be the driver. And, and this was what Alan Watts's philosophy was all about, that earning more and more money just for the sake of it is not the key to happiness. There has been other research too, and there was um, a Nobel Prize winning psychologist, um, Daniel Kahneman, who actually managed to determine a level of income beyond which we can't achieve greater happiness. Now, I'm not going to quote numbers here because actually the figures are somewhat debatable. And also they vary from nation to nation and area to area and year to year. But it's the notion that interests me, the notion that earning endless amounts of money will increase happiness. It's been proven to be false. And of course, we sort of know that, don't we? We just have to look at the miserable lives of of some very wealthy people. Yeah, and I just want to jump in there, Christine, and say, for me, that was or has been one of my big kind of awakenings don't measure success in monetary terms. Right, really? Yeah. And and I think actually for Jamie, it was an awakening too, wasn't it? Although it seemed to come somewhat after the event, you know, um, you know, the fact that he realized that he could live on less and have the same, if not better, quality of life. And this is really key. So if we can take this on board, you know, it, it helps to free us um, to make decisions that that use passion um, as a motivator and, and not money. So the argument for me here is that we, um, or the point that I really want to make, I should say, is that we should stop climbing a ladder, you know, having this kind of linear view of life, of, of progress being linear like that. You know, we talk about, you know, the social ladder or the career ladder or the property ladder. And you know what? There were, a client recently said to me that 
he hated that term, property ladder. And do you know what? I hadn't actually thought about that myself before, but he's right, isn't he? You know, yeah. it's yeah. an awful term, property ladder. I mean, when do you reach the top? You know, I mean, just forget all that. Remove status and money from from the equation when you're trying to decide how to move forward just step back from that and and try and take a, a wider view look look for you know look at a wider horizon and imagine what you would really like to do yep um actually there's another young client of mine a, a young adult who um I did pose this question to um, recently because he'd just finished his degree and um, wasn't really sure what he wanted to do professionally. And he said straight away without any hesitation, travel. And then sort of went, yeah, but travel needs money. <laughs> but my response was, yeah, but you said travel. So there's your driver, you know, and identifying that is, is great. You know, even with current restrictions on travel, it can still be a goal, can't it? You know, and it can still fuel um, plans now. You know, whether that might be, I don't know, get a, um, just any job, you know, a job locally to save money for this travel, whatever that might be, or or look at, at volunteering work abro abroad, um, or maybe learning a new language because, you know, travel is, is on the agenda yeah, but you can certainly understand that he, he might feel the pressure from, you know, or might feel the pressure from family and friends or even society that he needs to use that degree in some way, shape or form. Yeah, I, I know. And I know what, where, where you're coming from, but the degree won't be wasted, will it? You know, um, his education will have provided him with skill sets that he can use further down the line. I mean, some people know the path that they're on and that's fine that they're, they're they're you know maybe they're undertaking a, a vocational training and they're really clear at the outset where this is leading them but those are not the people that we're really talking about here we're talking about crises moments so um i would say don't worry if you feel you need to change direction because you'll be taking the skill sets with you it, it's inevitable you can't undo what you've learned so and, th and this approach can work for older adults too. You know, as long as our dream is a broad one and, and can be achievable, I mean, if I said I want to be a prima ballerina, I might be a bit deluded. But, you know, if, if I decide, for example, well, and I, I, I like my job, but I also like dancing, um, you know, then I can work on that. I can maybe find a local class, or, you know, um, and, and that will be, that's great. Yeah, no, I said, I think it's quite interesting, Christina. And if I'm honest, I, I couldn't agree more. People often forget that a, a, degree, a, a degree demonstrates an ability to learn uh, and, and be able to process in, information. So it's often more about the capability than the subject of the degree course. Also, as we move through life, we have many different transferable skills. And it's, as you said, it's about using those skill sets to develop new skill sets that are within our capabilities that, that can, I guess, lead on to fulfillment. But Christine, can we understand this from a more psychological perspective? Yeah. Yeah, we can. Because 
it's about um, the motivators, isn't it? We talk about motivators. And what we know is that intrinsic rather than extrinsic uh, motivators produce better performance and therefore better results and, and a much greater sense of, of satisfaction. So intrinsic motivators like learning yeah. and personal growth rather than extrinsic such as money. Yeah, exactly. Um, and over the past uh, four decades, there's, there's been a lot of um, experimental and, and field research guided by um, self-determination theory that's found um, that intrinsic motivation actually predicts you know, um, is highly cor um, correlates well with enhanced learning, better performance, creativity, and psychological wellness. So, in simple terms, that's saying people do better when their motivation comes from within, right? Yeah, that's exactly it. And and neuroscience is is exploring why this is the case, uh, which is fascinating, and identifying brain regions that are linked, for example, to dopamine that are engaged when when people seek to learn. Aha, uh -huh, yes, that happy chemical. Well, yeah, dopamine. Yeah. Well, yeah, um, but that that's debatable too. Um, it's not exactly that dopamine makes us happy. I mean, dopamine is, is concerned with reward centers and addiction as well. I mean, it's really complicated um, because I imagine if dopamine is released due to alcohol or online gaming and results in addiction, then it's a bit hard to describe it as a happy chemical. But among other things, it's involved in motivation. And so in this context, yeah, yeah, we can see it as positive. But my message is develop intrinsic motivation because it's rewarding and, you know, it improves performance. And in fact, I'd just like to ask our listeners to really think about this in the context of what they're doing now. Why are you listening to this podcast? Because you'll enjoy it more if your motives are to learn something new or experience something new, if curiosity is the motivator. But if you're listening because Jason's paying you, well, <laughs> that's not good. Yeah, yeah, no, it's not. It's true. <laughs> <laughs> and you know what's even worse? Apparently, if we were to offer you a reward after listening – there is evidence that that will decrease your pleasure even further. So we're not going to be doing that, folks. It's not good for you. Sorry. <laughs> I, don't, um, I don't even know what to say to that. So, <laughs> <laughs> Okay. Um, there's something else with regard to intrinsic motivation. Um, it relies on two other human needs, which is to feel competent and to have autonomy. And, you know, I wonder if Jamie's idea of success points included this. I don't know, Jason, can you recall what they were, what, you know, what your understanding of them was? Yeah. So if I can recall correctly, um, Jamie formed in his mind where he could say that success and use them to, as his motivators to the next point. So I think the first one, I think, was quitting his job, um, as was getting to yeah. the start line in Canada. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I, yeah. I know. I recall that now that he, I mean, he was setting, um, uh, shorter, would you say, um, sort of 
yeah, we're, we're creating success points along the way. That was the point. So, so he was bound to feel competent, wasn't he? Because he was setting relatively achievable goals. And also he was the one setting the goal goals. So he was, he was gaining autonomy. Um, he talked about flexibility too, didn't he? That, um, for example, not setting a rigid plan. So for example, having a goal of running 30 kilometers a day, um, which paradoxically resulted in him running, I think it was, did he say 58 kilometers a day for the last part of that big yeah. run? Yeah, no, that's right. Um, but equally, yeah, we're saying, so not making money or status the goal and developing success points along the way that are flexible and achievable. Yeah. I guess another key point from Jamie was that not celebrating success when a, a success point was reached uh, helped him achieve, uh, sorry, when a success point was achieved, sorry, because that can make you feel like it's the end, which leads you to onto how to keep going when the going gets tough. Yeah, and I thought his methods on how to stay motiv motivated were really interesting. And you remember that that quote of his, when things get tough, I simply sit down and remember the life I used to live. That's all I need to get back up again. But this wasn't his only method, you know, looking back at how dissatisfying his life had become. But it was also taking the view that if nothing positive had happened yet, something would by the end of the day. Yeah. And I think this links very nicely to our podcast on, on gratitude and your personal experience of, of journaling. Yeah, I think if you, if you kind of get into the habit of journaling, you soon start to realize that something amazing happens every day, as, as Jamie also said. It also helps you appreciate the smaller things in life that often we unfortunately take for granted. Yeah, yeah. That's right. And, and, um, for those listeners that haven't listened to, to that, that podcast, you might want to, um, take time to do that. But, you know, basically it's about acknowledging, um, a, a number of positive things each day that have occurred, you know, um, but finally in this analysis of Jamie's psyche, whoa, 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 did, did Jamie sign up for this? <laughs> No, no, he didn't. <laughs> no, and I'm joking. Um, I was really particularly interested in in his fundraising and and, and awareness raising for charities such as Calm. Um, that was the campaign against living miserably, um, because this is another extremely positive behaviour. What we know is that pro-social motivation, so that is doing things because of a positive impact on other people, um, is a very effective motivator. So it's a win-win. You know, we're motivated to keep going and other people are going to benefit. So let's jump back to the final point in the analysis, Christine. Your client who asked, why bother? Okay. Well, I guess, why bother? Uh, because we're all trying to experience a happy, fulfilled life. It's as simple as that. You know, and gaming and watching Netflix and eating chocolate, it's all pleasurable, but it's not fulfilling. And it's certainly not enhancing our physical and mental well-being in the long term. So it's about learning, developing, creating, having good relationships, doing things for others, as you just said, the pro-social stuff. And these are the keys to long-term happiness. So that's surely success. And 
you know, I want to say to our listeners, don't say why bother if, you know, because you're feeling too old. Don't let age be the barrier. I mean, you know, goodness, Joe Biden is just about to be elected president of the United States as we record this. And he's also just about to celebrate his 78th birthday. And if that isn't inspiring, then I don't know what, you know, I mean, wow. Um, I mean, sometimes people express feeling kind of tired with age, you know, lacking energy. But watch out because sometimes boredom can provoke those feelings that really it's lethargy, not actual fatigue. Um, After saying all that, we don't all have to run the length of America or become president of America (laughs) to achieve fulfillment. But we should aim for lifelong personal growth. So, you know, my message is if there are things that you didn't do in your youth, like take a gap year and travel or do some voluntary work and you'd like that, then then do it now. Sure, whatever age. And it isn't trying to turn the clock back either. You know, it isn't that negative uh, where we started this, you know, that, that kind of negative view of, of the midlifer having a crisis, trying to appear young. No, it's not that. It's just doing stuff. It's doing stuff we want to do then that perhaps we didn't have time for previously. And Jason, I think now, you know, what I really want to do is, is, is come back to you because you did make changes to your life. You, you left a big corporate company and now you're back with a big corporate company, but you managed to keep your lovely family together. And so I'm interested for, you know, to hear what actually happened in that intervening time tell us you know how did you manage to turn this around so yeah I guess um I guess in many ways I wasn't quite as as kind of lucky as Jamie or I say lucky I guess it's it's not even about luck it's about circumstance but um I ended up with having a breakdown which kind of drove some decisions within me um and and, and kind of looked at make, making me step back and reflect on where my life was going. And I think, um, I related to a a number of comments that kind of Jamie had said about the lack of fulfillment, um, within my life at the time. And, and, you know, and, and I kind of got sucked into this corporate life of trying to climb the ladder. And you mentioned that earlier and kind of, uh, you know, what else could I provide to the family, a bigger house, nicer cars, bigger holidays, but kind of where does it end? And, um, I definitely started feeling trapped, uh, and I think Jamie referred to it as well, you know, you know, the, the more you earn, the more they want to spend and, you know, and, and you just keep going. And Yeah, and, that, and that's going to provoke anxiety, isn't it? Feeling trapped, you know, it provokes the, uh, the anxiety response for sure. Absolutely, right. And so um, that kind of grew. Um, and as I say, it culminated me in, in, in me having a, a, a breakdown, being di- diagnosed with depression. Um, and and I, I took a, a good period off work, unfortunately. But what I actually did in that period was to, to take a step back and, and look at why. And that's why I'm doing what I'm doing now with, with these podcasts and, and other things, because I spent a lot of time educating myself. Obviously, I got introduced to you, Christine. Um by the way, Christine wasn't my therapist, but um, no. she she is now. She doesn't just I just don't pay her, so which is great. Uh, um, but you know, so I took a step back and said, you know, 
why has this happened to me? Um, and what what do I need to do differently? And, and that's when I started to kind of get interested in um, the feelings of anxiety that, that, you know, what, what is fulfillment? Um, the whole monetary thing, I, I, I built my life around trying to give my kids a better life, uh, than I perceived that, that I'd had. Um, and again, reflecting, I had a pretty good childhood, you know, my dad is still together. We grew up in the countryside. I was grew up in nature. Um, and I kind of lost touch with all of that stuff. Um, so I'd realised that um, that that I'd kind of got lost in all of that all of that focus, and now one of the things I've kind of changed is is letting go of that 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 status within society, that that climbing up the corporate ladder kind of need. Um, and I guess I mentioned this in in the gratitude and when I talked about journaling, but you know what I tell myself every day, my focus is around um, my my family, my happiness, and my health. And they're the kind of anchors that, that keep me going. At the same time, I guess there's a number of habits that I've got myself into, um, which are around, you know, uh, meditation. I mentioned before, you know, I, that's a big part of my life now. Journaling is very, journaling is very big in what I do every day. Uh, I've got into running. And, and so rather than kind of clawing after the things that I think others think I should be doing, I'm focused on what I know helps me. And I guess linking back to that, just to finish off, really, I guess the biggest thing for me is that that pro-social part, which is, you know, why, you know, for me, I'm stood here now. I've, I've stood up now and talked in front of quite a few different hundreds of people about mental health and about my experience. And I do that because I feel that if I can help one other person deal with what I had to deal with or avoid having to deal with what I have to deal with, then, you know, that that makes me feel amazing. That's really a good example of the pro-social stuff, isn't it? Um, you know, wanting to to kind of let other people know what you went through because you didn't really manage to do what what Jamie did in, in the sense that he he caught it earlier, didn't he? You did ad- actually get depressed, Jason, which was a really terrible experience for you, um, and somehow. Um, you know, just by, I think it was, you know, by luck, it's by, by chance where you are, the situation you're in at the time, who's around you, you know, Jamie managed to stop at the right point and change direction. But for a lot of people, they, they don't identify that moment. I mean, this is the whole point of this podcast, isn't it? Don't let it get to that point. So Christine, from that perspective, is there a kind of a last psychological message? Yeah. Um, I mean, what I want to say is that in order to really navigate these crisis periods and, and make those necessary changes, we need to be in good mental health. And, you know, this is not just about genetics. Um, there are two very important factors um, that predict good mental health. And one is good social networks, and the other is a sense of purpose. And I want to stress again that this applies at all ages. So, young people out there, you know, you need your friendship groups. Um, it's about pursuing hobbies and getting plenty of exercise, even during periods of study or when revising for exams. And younger, you know, young adults at the start of their careers, they, they need to maintain that work-life balance. And then as, as, we, as we get older, 
And for those people who maybe have retired from work or, you know, maybe those people who have children that have just left home, they need to ensure that, that these needs continue to be met. So if your social networks and sense of purpose were, were tied to work and maybe family, then, you know, it's about being creative and finding ways to fulfill those needs in, 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 um, in other ways. And of course, you know, with time, we have that increasing risk of loss, don't we, um, as, as we move through life. So losing someone close, I mean, especially as we get older, you know, can really bring a greater sort of awareness of, of our own mortality. Um, but I, mean, I think we, we would be going off a bit of a tangent here. I mean, it, it's a massive subject. Maybe it's, it's a subject for another, another podcast. Yeah. And I jump in there and say, by the way, listeners, um, do let us know if there's other topics you'd like to hear or topics you'd like to hear more about. Um, anything we've raised, there is also so much we can more, we can expand on, um, around a lot of this. Um, now, Christine, just going back, you, you mentioned time and mortality there. Yeah. Can you tell me why time seems to go faster as we get older? The years are going more quickly for me. Um, and the kids are still saying, are we there yet in the back of the car? <laughs> okay. Um, I, get, I can imagine this is a, as another stressful factor, isn't it? Um, you know, feeling not only that more years are behind us and there's less in front of us. <laughs> um, it's kind of, it's moving too fast. That's right. Oh, I love this subject. Um, I'll let me clarify. I have a love hate relationship with this, um, as I get older, but you know, it's a really nice little topic to round off this podcast. Um, it can be our sort of geeky fact time. So it's true that, you know, I mean, for me now that the years are really whizzing by and yet I can remember as a child, you know, waiting for an hour to pass on, on a boring, you know, rainy Sunday. And there are many, many different theories and explanations out there. Um, it isn't again, one thing. I mean, it never is. Um, but let's just look at a couple of, of the explanations. And the first is that it's evolutionary so it's an adaptive mechanism that allows us to focus on on threat. Um, back to that old fight flight thing. Um, yep. So new things are perceived as potential threats, and so we focus on them and we register them, and we have therefore the perception of time slowing down. And young people who experience lots of new things therefore sense time more slowly yeah, and, yeah that makes sense yeah i mean there's tons of stuff on it um i mean of the recent um research there, there's a very eminent professor at mit adrian uh, bejan who who actually was a mechanical engineer i think or a physicist and he talks about the effects of uh, I mean, he's looking at the sort of more physiological stuff. So he's talking about the effects of saccadic eye movements. Saccadic eye movements. I think you need to explain that. Okay. Um, the, those unconscious eye movements, flickers, um, that, that occur 
very rapidly. I mean, a few times a second. And it's in between these movements that the eye takes in information for the brain to process. And actually, they're shorter in, in infants than, than they are in adults. So does that mean infants are taking in more information? Yeah, that's right. And that leads us on to this theory, um, which is um, about the amount of information being taken in and the passage of time. So the most interesting in the context of, of this podcast is, is from the work of some psychologists and their understanding of, of memory encoding and the way we um, encode novel experiences. Um, there are psychologists uh, in Germany, Whitman and Lenoff, who questioned a number of people, 500 people from the ages of 14 to 94, so a big age range, to determine their perception of time. And they found that in short durations, whether it's you know minutes, um, hours, maybe even weeks, the passage of time was pretty much felt to be the same. In fact, it was generally felt to move quickly. However, with age, you know, with years and decades, then it was found to have been felt very differently in those age groups. So older people sensing that that the time had passed more quickly. And the reasoning behind this is that if we're experiencing something new or something interesting, we encode it more deeply and therefore we have more to remember it later and, and time appears to have passed more slowly. So it's a little like the Bejan explanation earlier with the saccadic eye movements. But you know what? The message for today is this. If you want time to slow down, uh, not literally, but you want the perspective of, of time to slow down, you need to do more new things, more new and interesting things. So that's the end of Geeky Facts. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, I said at, at the beginning of part one of this podcast that I was going to be a bit controversial, if you remember, and, and I suggested that everyone should have a life crisis. And so I really feel I ought to explain, um, explain what I meant. Um, the crisis doesn't have to be painful. In really, you know, let's not even call it crisis. It's a nudge. It's an awakening, a recognition that it's time to change things. You know, stop and evaluate where you're at. So ask the question, are you, are you happy with what's gone on before? Are you happy now in, in this moment? And are you looking forward with excitement to, to the future? If the answer is yes to all those questions, then really you don't need to change anything. But if the answer is no to any of those elements, then have a review. See what you can do to get closer to the life that you really want. Yeah, and I think um, I like the term awakening, if I'm honest, going back to what you were saying there. But, you know, again, you know, really pertinent message there. Um, I think uh, we're kind of drawing to the end, but as we always do, I think we've got the three top tips. Three top tips. Okay, so my first uh, top tip for this podcast is catnap. Um I, I love this and um, okay, well, we could call it power nap. Um, that's a, a more common uh, term nowadays, but in fact, we're referring to a catnap, aren't we? I think people don't like to say catnap because it makes, makes us sound lazy. So catnap, power nap, whatever we want to call it, we're talking about um, sitting down, closing our eyes and having a little sleep. 
maybe in the afternoon or just after lunch. In fact, you know, really any time, perhaps not too close to bedtime, but you know, any time during the day, just when we have the chance to sit down and close our eyes for, for 10, 15 minutes, not more than 30 minutes. That's not a good idea because you may go into a deep sleep and then wake feeling groggy. Um, so set an alarm on your phone, perhaps, um, if you think that you might sleep too long and maybe have a cup of coffee just before, because then by the time you wake up, the coffee will be kicking in and you'll be raring to go again, full of energy. And that leads me on to tip number two, coffee. I think coffee's had a, a bad rap over the last few years and I'm really, um, happy to say, because I absolutely love coffee, that that's completely misplaced. You know, there's a lot, a lot of evidence to show that coffee is good for us in moderation, like everything else. Um, so it's good for us because we know that it helps with um, speed of processing, with cognitions. It keeps us alert. Um, but also there are, there are health benefits. There, there's a lot of research out there showing that there are health benefits, um, that it reduces the, the risk of strokes, um, um, the risk of, of Alzheimer's and other types of dementia, um, and types of cancer too, and, and, and type 2, two diabetes. Um, so I suppose the question is how much, um, and this varies from person to person, uh, it's, it's genetic as to how much caffeine we each can can tolerate. Uh, for me, it would be two cups and it would be in the morning. So watch out for that because if you exceed your tolerance level, then it can cause palpitations and it can interfere with, with sleep. And my third top tip is um, buy a journal. We've talked about gratitude a lot in um, these two podcasts on, on life crises. And for those of you who maybe have difficulty remembering to, to feel grateful, uh, and to be conscious of, of, of gratitude buy a journal, you know, as Jason did, um, it's great. It will be a prompt there for you to kind of sit down, um, and note the positive things that have happened during the day, because there's always something positive that we can seek out. Okay. And those are my three top tips. Thanks, Christina. Great. I mean, I guess, especially for me, I, you know, I, I love the cat nap. I've done a lot of research on sleep, so I concur with what you said there. Um, again, caffeine, exactly the same thing. So yeah, absolutely brilliant. And everyone knows about my journaling. They're probably bored of it now, but that was, uh, that was brilliant. So thank you for that. Um, so I do think that that kind of brings us to the end for today's podcast. Um, please don't forget to give us your feedback and rate us on whatever platform you listen to us on. Um, at this point, I'm also going to say that uh, Christine and I were thinking of taking a break uh, for the Christmas period. But given uh, the kind of current circumstances, we have decided to put on an extra podcast uh, that will be published in December to look at strategies to, men, uh, to maintain good mental health, uh, given the very different Christmas we're all likely to experience. So please do look out for that. Uh, but for now, that's uh, it's a bye from me. And a bye from me. Thanks for listening. Get talking.